welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. When he came here earlier on, uh, it's like our, our, our congregation today, they are, they are kind of like glued more to celebrity. When somebody, a celebrity is going somewhere, everybody wants to go there because we were expecting this, this service this evening to be more than what it is right now. If we were to compare the two services, to, um, the two services today was so, was, the crowd was there, large, maybe because Oscar pulled them, right? But I think it was a good statement. But I think as Christians, we are following God. We, we thank God for the people that he brings to us and the people that he elevates. But at the same time, we want to look onto him and follow him, right? We don't want to follow, Jesus was a crowd puller, so we want to follow and emulate his example and follow him and live for him, Amen. I want to say that, please, this passage that I'm going to preach from, I just want you to prepare your heart, okay? Don't get familiar with the passage. Just try to remove everything that you had known previously about this passage and just allow your heart like a blank check where, and allow the Holy Spirit to write something on it, okay? Because as Christians, sometimes familiarity, it, 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 it kills a lot. When we get so familiar to particular passages, we tend to, to forget that God can use that same passage and a different source and in a different way and different circumstances to minister to us in a different way. Amen. So just get yourself, eject every familiar thought you've had with this passage and just allow your mind just like a, a blank check. Let the Holy Spirit write into it what he, he had proposed to do for you this evening. So let us pray. Dear Father, standing in front of you is this empty vessel who knows nothing. And I'm asking you by your spirit to use me, pass through me, and to present your word to your people. These are your words, Lord. Without you, I don't know what it is saying. So I need the Holy Spirit. I depend on the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I depend on the guidance of the Holy Spirit to be able to present your word the way you want it to your people. At the same token, Lord, I pray that you touch the hearts of your people also. Let their heart be as expectant as possible so that, Holy Spirit, you will make that deposit today that you propose to do for your people. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word because we know it never goes out and come back void. May the word of God today deliver the purpose that it was intended to serve this evening to the glory and honor of our Lord. Amen. You know, sometimes we Christians, we, we get so much into ourselves to the point where we may feel more important than other people. You know, in a church like this, I'll give an example. You have the pastor and you have everybody, all the function, the, the Sunday school leader, the choir master, right up to the person who actually opens the gate and sh or opens the door and shuts the door. You know, sometimes, humanly speaking, because we, are in, we have this human natural tendency inclinated in us that pride we want to set in sometimes to prove that you are more than someone else in the congregation. Sometimes you feel that because you are the pastor, you are more important than anyone else. And sometimes, on the other side, some people feel that just because they are maybe, uh, they watch the gates as people come in and go out, they feel that they are, they are nothing. They don't look at themselves to be anything. But we want to see the example that Jesus Christ actually wants to set for us, that 
whether you are big or you are small, there is just one thing that God is requiring from us. Humility. Now, according to this passage, when we begin from uh, uh, Mark chapter 9, 33, the same question that Jesus' disciples are asking him right now, they did ask him that, Lord, who is the greatest in the kingdom? So as we see in this lesson, their disciples, they asked him, the, verse, 18, verse 1 says that, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So the disciples actually, they look at themselves. So it's like amongst themselves, they were thinking that they were just, there was this competition of who is the greatest amongst them. And so they come to Jesus Christ being their master. They ask him, the Lord, who is the greatest? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus Christ in his own ways. I just love the way Jesus used to answer the, question of his, of his, of the questions of the disciples. And Jesus looked around and saw a young little kid and he, hold the, he, he, he called the child towards himself. He uses that situation of the child to answer the question of the disciples. And I want to believe that this is the same situation where Jesus Christ is kind of like using the child as a symbol to answer the same question in our hearts. Who is the most important in the church? Who is the most important in the body of Christ? Who is the most important in the Christendom? So Jesus Christ, verse 2 tells us that, And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. There is something about this child that is not mentioned here. When Jesus called this young guy, this, this child, this child trusted Jesus. This child did not look back. This child did not hesitate. Jesus called this child and this child directly walked up and walked toward him without questioning. Jesus just called and this child obeyed. He trusted and then he left wherever he was seated and then went to Jesus Christ. That is very, very important. Today, if it were me and you, we would ask what, right? You want me for? What are you calling me for? What is it? What's up? What's going on? Right? But in this context, we see that this child did not complain. There was that aspect of humility in this child. The attitude of this child was what Jesus actually was trying to use to pass his message across. And then he goes on in verse 3. He says that, And verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become a little as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus says that you must be converted... You must change. Something has to be changed in your life, in your character, in your attitude. If you don't change and be like this little child, then you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It never means that there is some aspect among the disciples, some attitude, some character of the disciples that was exhibiting pride, that was exhibiting fame, that was exhibiting something that did not condone or Jesus Christ did not condone in his teachings. He says that you must in order to inherit the kingdom of God, you must, it is not an option, you must turn as a little child. For those of us who have children here, we're blessed with children here, our children actually, 100%, they depend on us. They trust us. Anything we tell them because we are their parent, because they trust us, because we have lived with them and they know we are, so they trust us. And that is why Anytime we ask them to do something, they know that they have to do it because we ask them. They are very, very humble. 
our children, when two of them, they are fighting, within the next second, you see that they are reconciled and they are getting along. That is some of the aspects within children. You, you see that, I mean, I've learned a lot from my children. Sometimes when I see with them is that they always like to share. If you call one of the expired twins, if you call one of them and hand something to them, the first thing they'll ask you, where is the portion of this person? Either they take and share, but this is not all the time though. But they make sure that they, 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 they have concern for others. Children, you tell them something, they will listen to you very keenly and try to follow and they ask questions. So there is just a lot of importance that we as children, as, as parents, can learn from children. So that humility aspect of children, that is what Christ actually was trying to drive across among his disciples here. Because the disciples asking who is going to be the greatest. The kingdom of God is not to show who is the greatest. The kingdom of God is not to show who is the strongest. The kingdom of God is not to show who is the most powerful. The kingdom of God actually, to go to the kingdom, in order to get there, we have to display humility. Because it takes just humility, a humble person, to be able to live for Christ. It takes a humble person to obey the scripture. It takes a humble person for us to leave our houses and sit here right now. It takes a humble person to please God. Not fame, no power, not your position. Humility, that is the message that Christ was saying. So he says that, except you change, except you repent and change like this little child, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I know pride leads to destruction. We know that pride actually leads to destruction. Then let us move forward in verse 4. He, verse 4, he says that, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I'm not sure anybody, none of those disciples actually was expected Jesus Christ to tell them this, that anyone who will be as humble as this little child, that person will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And this is one thing with us Christians today. You know, we tend to display this aspect of I know much, too, I know too much. I know more than you. I got baptized centuries ago. I was saved centuries ago. And you carry yourself as if you are more than anyone else. Whereby, sometimes you don't even want to be corrected. Sometimes you don't want to be advised. You always feel that you know everything. But this attitude, this character is wrong. Because it is displaying what? It is displaying pride. And no proud person will inherit the kingdom of God. So pride is a terrible and dangerous sin. Are you suffering from pride? Do you know too much that you don't want to listen to anybody? Do you know so much that you feel that your own idea or your decisions must be the one that must be taken? It does not function like that in the body of Christ. We all, we need to be humble. We need to be humble. Jesus actually emphasizes humility more than any other Christian virtue in the first, in these five, first, uh, five verses that we see. Now, Jesus' disciples, um, so in Matthew, when the disciples came to, they asked this, this, this question to Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus Christ being the Lord, he used this example of a child to, to, to demonstrate, to tell us that, listen, we, 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 we have to be humble. We have to humble. Humility is, is not an option. Humility is what is required for every Christian in order for you. If you must make heaven, then I think you should be praying for the spirit of humility. You should be praying for the spirit of humility. Humility is very, very important. So as we go further now in verse 4, yeah, in verse 5, 
And now there is a good, there is very important aspect here that Jesus Christ actually brings in verse 5, which connects now to verse 6. In verse 5, it says that, And whoso shall receive such little one, or such little child, in my name, receiveth me. Well, there are different theological opinions about the little ones. They talk about who is the little one that Jesus Christ is actually mentioning here. But we know that in, the, in, this, in this context, as Jesus actually was using little children, and he talks about humility here. So Jesus Christ actually referring here was referring to, to believers, you know, to, the, to the, the ones that comes to him. And he says that anyone who shall receive such little one or little child in my name, received me. So anytime that you receive somebody, anytime that you do something good to somebody, anytime that you extend a hand, a good gesture to somebody, just know that it is referring here to that Jesus Christ. You are doing it as unto, as unto him. You are not doing it for yourself, but you are doing it as unto him. So when you do these things to these people out there, it therefore means that you are also doing it to, to him, to Jesus Christ. You know, so our relationship here is one thing. How do we relate with people? People who don't look like us. People who don't live in our zip code. People who don't, they don't measure in our classes. We as believers, when we see them, how do we treat them? How do we relate to them? Because how you relate to them will be as you are related to Christ. So Christ said, when you receive these little ones, yes, you are doing it as you are doing it unto, unto me. Then there is a cross here that Jesus crossed, it connected here. Uh, uh, on verse 6, where Jesus Christ actually, you know, was uh, 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 giving, talking about uh, 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 our attitudes, how our attitude as believers, we discourage others, how our attitude, our ways of life, how it, it, it brings others down, how we Christians, our attitude, our ways of life, how we, we, we bring, we, we, we discourage other people. Verse 6 says that, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a miles or a millstone were hanged around his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Okay. There are some people that if we were to depend on their attitude, I mean, some, when I say people, let me say Christians, there are some Christians, their attitudes it's such in a way that they don't encourage you at all. That if you were to look on man to become a Christian, then you would say, no, if that is how Christianity is, I better not become a Christian because the way I see the attitude of this so-called Christian, it is not encouraging at all. Listen, Christ was very... When you read the gospel, you see the life, the, character, the characteristics, and the life of Jesus Christ. He was a crowd puller. He had this force where everywhere he went, people were following him. They loved his teaching. They loved him in every way. I mean, his followers, they loved him. He, was a, he had compassion. Matthew 9 tells us he had compassion for the people. That's why he was able to heal. That's why he was able to provide for them. That's why he, he was very open. And wherever he went, people followed him. So as Christ-like-minded people, we too should be such that our, wherever we are, because of our love for people, because of our character, because of our attitude, we should be able to pull people, pull people towards us as Christ did. You know, Christian, we're supposed to be that person where wherever you are, you bring peace. That wherever your presence is, you impose love. Wherever you are, you, you try to bring unity. Because those are characteristics that are embedded in Christ. 
And so Christ warns here in this verse 6, he says that, uh, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it will be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of a sea. So don't take that lightly. So if you are one person, if you are that person actually, that because of your attitude, because of your bad mouth, that you are preventing people from coming to the Lord, the Lord said, we're better that a millstone be tied around your neck and drowned in the sea. Do you see that? So, those who are saved, it matters much to Jesus Christ. Saints, we matter much in the eyes of the Lord. You know, there's somewhere Christ says that, he was praying, he said that, um, those that the Lord has given him, he will not cast them away. He will not cast them away. So every saint, every believer, you are precious in the sight of the Lord. But woe betide that individual who because of your character, who because of your attitude, you cause others to fall away. Don't we see that in the churches today? We have people in our churches that they don't even talk with others. They don't even give ears to others. They are not, I mean, they don't even want to see eye to eye with others. This is the thing that Christ is mentioning here. That what you are doing, you are not encouraging, you are not building, you are destroying. And we need to pray for humility. As Christ used this situation of this little child, we need to pray for humility. Children, there is one thing with them. They may fight right now, the next minute you see them, they are getting along and playing together. That is something we have to copy and pray to, to copy and emulate into us as, 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 as adults. Christ said, we must change transform, be converted into little children and we must inherit the kingdom of God. And one of the traits that we see in the little children is what? It's the spirit of humility that we must copy. And then verse 7 is very, very important. Verse 7 is very, very important. Verse 7 says that, Jesus says that, he said, woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses will inevitably come, but woe to that person by whom the offenses come. So what Christ is saying is that, yes, we are living in a rotten world. Yes, things that will make people to fall will happen, whether you like it or not. Things that will make people to fall to sin, they will happen. But Jesus said, woe to that person. If you are that person who causes other people to fall, Jesus said, woe unto you. Woe unto you. We are living in a time where most churches, they say everything matters. You find a lady come to church wearing a skirt like this, very short. And they come to church, they tolerate it, 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 it they say it's okay. You find people half-dressed, expose their bodies, and they come to church, they say it's okay. We have congregations today where to live and fornicate, to hang out with a woman or a man inside the church, it is okay. Nobody says anything, it is okay. We have congregations today where it doesn't matter what you do outside. As long as you come to church and sit inside and listen and give offering and give tithe, it is okay. This is not okay. Because Christ says that, woe unto that person. Remember that as humans, everything that we do, we are living, you are living with human beings. We are living with people who are even not believers. You don't live in isolation. Anything that you do, it is either building or destroying. Everything that you do is either building or destroying. Don't think that you are living in a world that is isolated, that people don't see you. Trust me. The Bible says that when you light a candle, you put a candle, you light a candle, a candle shines, right? 
It shines because it is lit up. So your spiritual life, even though where you live and people know you as being a Christian, even though they don't tell you, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if you do not know this, you are impacting their lives. On the other side, if you are living and say you are a Christian and coming to church, yet you are living that life of debauchery and doing all those evil things that you are not supposed to do, just also know that you are impacting their lives. But what impact are you impacting those who see you out there? That is what Christ is saying. That woe, but woe unto that person. Yes, things are going to make people to fall into sin. It is there in the world. Because the world is sinful. But woe betide. Woe unto that person who actually initiates to cause others to sin. So therefore, what does that say? It says that we have to address the way we speak. We have to address the way that we, we dress. We have to address who we hang around with. We have to address the places that we go and the things that we do, even in secret, because we can never hide it from the Lord. So whatever we do, it affects the community. But the question is, are you impacting their life for Jesus or you are making them difficult, making it difficult for them to... Isaiah, I think Samuel says that you are blocking, you are not entering, but you are blocking others from entering. By what? By the way we talk and do things, by the things that we do in hiding, feel that it's hiding, they are seeing us. So Christ says in verse 7 that those things are, are there. Things that will make people to fall, they are there, right? But woe unto that person, okay? Woe unto that person. Then he goes now, verse 8 and verse 9. He mentions something very, very important. He says in verse 8, he says that whoever, okay, well, verse 7 says that Oh, verse 8. Can you go back to verse 7, please? No, we are on verse 8. Thank you. If your hand or your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. Let's go to verse 9. Verse 9 says, and if your eye causes you to fall away, gorge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hellfire. Three things that are being mentioned here. The hand, the foot, and the eye. Well, what Christ actually mentioned, he did not say that go and dig out one eye and remove. Or cut the legs and remove. And cut the hands. This is actually not what Christ was saying. So don't go and cut your leg or cut your eyes because uh, you hear the Bible say so. No, this is wrong. This, he did not say so. What Christ actually was meaning here is that if there is one thing that you know that is holding you from living the life of Christ, it is better for you to go without that thing and go to heaven than to hang and hold on to that thing and then at the end you go to hell. Listen to let me demonstrate something here. Let's say we are in church and you are suffering from the sin of uh, immorality, whatever that may be. Jesus says that now, if you as an individual, that particular sin, that particular thing that is holding you from the Lord, from serving the Lord and from impacting the lives of others, if, if you are separated like this, you cannot walk like this with it and move everywhere. In order for you to be free, Jesus says that it is better for you to let that go. Let me lose all the pleasure from that. Let me lose all the sacrifices from that. Let me lose all the benefit from that. Let me go without benefiting anything from that. And I better go to heaven than to want to stay and hold myself glued to this. I want to enjoy everything from here, now, and at the end, I die and go to hell. That is what that passage says. 
that if your hand or your foot or your eye causes you to sin, it is better to get rid away, get rid of that particular thing. If it is your phone, you know that you are on your phone all the time, all the time, consuming your time that you cannot study, it is better to go without looking at your phone and get your time to study and serve the Lord than to click onto that phone that will take all your time and at the end, you die and go to hell. Do we get the point? So Jesus Christ, actually what he mentioned is very, 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 very serious. And there is something that I wrote here about the, 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 how we can, uh, some thoughts about these three things that Jesus Christ has suggested. The hand is a symbol of what we, we do. The hand is a symbol of what we do. The foot is a symbol of where we go. The eye is a symbol of what we see. What we do, where we go, and what we see. So if you are that person who actually you take your foot and go to a place that will prevent you from going to heaven, it is better don't go to that place. So if you are that person who is watching, constantly watching something that will distract you from the Lord, stop watching that particular thing. It is good. And then if you are that person who actually uses your hand and do things that does not glorify God, it's better to stop going there and stop doing that thing and stop watching whatever you're watching and go to heaven than to continue and bury yourself and be going to that place and be doing that thing and be seeing what to watch what you're watching at the end and die, go to hell. So dear Christians, the world sees us. We can never hide it from God. The world sees us and knows us. What Christ wants for us is that how we carry our lives, how we carry ourselves out there, how we speak, how we relate to people. Christ wants us to impact their life just like Jesus did. But also, he first of all wants us to be humble because it takes only humility to be able to do all these things. If you're not humble enough and want to click to pride, then obviously pride is going to lead us into hell. I know that you know, sanctification, they say that spiritual growth, the sanctification is a process. You don't get up and just become so powerful and strong in the Lord at one time. It's a process. That when you hear the word of God like this, it touches you, it addresses your situation, then you, you make amends. I want to give this time for us to pray. We all here, we have things that we suffer from. We have small, small, petty, petty things that we, we are suffering from. Small, small things that we are struggling with. And I want to give this opportunity. You are not going to tell me. Nobody is going to tell me anything. You know what you are struggling with. I know what I'm struggling with. We all know. We cannot hide it from the Lord. But Christ has given us this opportunity right now. He said, get rid of all those things. Get rid of all those things so that you have a good relationship with him and, 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 and you work with him very well so you're able to impact Paul's life positively. You know what you are struggling with. I know what I'm struggling with. So I want, us to give, I want to give us this time. Let us stand on our feet. Let us stand on our feet. We're going to pray. And I want you us to bow our heads down. And this is why, how I want us to pray. You are going to pray for yourself. As we, we, we are praying right now, I just want you to know that we are in front of God right now. We are in front of the Lord. The Lord is seeing us individually, seeing you individually, seeing me individually. And we know what we have been struggling with. That particular sin that we have been struggling with, which actually has been acting as a hindrance for us to, uh, to serve God rightly. I just want us to confess. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, it is faithful, it is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So, brothers, sisters, just give some few seconds here for you to pray. Personally confess that particular struggle that you are having with unto the Lord.
Dear Father, we want to thank you so much because we know that you have spoken and uh, we know there is nothing that you cannot do. Dear Father God, we pray you who knows us, sees us in and out, you who knows what we are going through and you knows what uh, we are really suffering from. Dear Father, we humble ourselves in front at the foot of the cross asking that Father may you deliver us from these individual struggles that we have. It is true we are in the world that God, uh, things that causes people to sin are bound to happen. We want to also pray and confess that where we have been as an instrument to cause others to sin, Father, may you forgive us. We humble ourselves, we confess and plead for your mercies and plead for your forgiveness. We also pray that Heavenly Father, give us a spirit of discernment so that, Father, we're able to make good suggestions and good decisions in life where we will not go where we're not supposed to go, where we will not do things that we're not supposed to do and will not see what we're not supposed to see. Heavenly Father, also above all, give us a spirit of humility. Just as little children, so that when we are humbled, God, we will attend to you very fast and quickly as you want us to be. Thank you so much for this evening, dear Father. May you bless each and every one of us here. And may you take us to our, our various homes safely. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So before we, before the offering, I want to, one last announcement, I'm sorry. So we'll not have African service next week. The Sunday that is coming, we'll not have African service. We'll have it, but on the 24th. Then in the month of August, all straight evenings, four straight evenings, 6 p.m., we will have African worship service. And again, I want to say this. Even though they say African service, this is a ministry of the church. It is a service of the church, please. We like to invite people, continue to invite people. The church members are supposed to be here. This is a church service. This is a worship service for the church, please. I just want to encourage you like that. We just want to only bring the African blend of worship, to blend in the African experience of worship. But this is a service of the church, please. So um, thank you all so much.